interfaithism, and world religion. Take heed that no man deceives you and a rapid-fire prophecy update. We will analyze world events from a biblical perspective on this edition of End of the Age. Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you for joining me on this edition of End of the Age. We're going to be talking about a world religion. I know we talk about it all the time, but it's very important that you do not be deceived in the end time. The Abrahamic family house coming in 2022 is not a good thing at all. Don't be deceived by that. Bible prophecies foretell the establishment of a global religious system in the end time. According to the prophecies of the Bible, the leader of that deceitful organization will have two objectives. To unite the world's religions under one belief system of tolerance. You believe your truth, and that's fine. I'll believe my truth, and that's fine. And number two, to use this, the, the pious position of this leader of the world religion to influence all the adherents to align with and to pledge allegiance to the prophesied end-time world government. The Bible says in Revelation 17 that the world governing body, the beast, will use the end-time false religious system until it gets done with it, and then it will turn on it and consume it and burn it with fire. The world religious system is only being used to make its adherents pledge allegiance to and worship the beast. Now, of course, recent events have confirmed what we who understand and systematically analyze Bible prophecy have known for years. This world religion is in the latter stages of its formation. Back on February 4th of 2019, the Grand Imam Al-Azhar Ahmed Al-Taib, considered to be the most important Imam in Sunni Islam, and Pope Francis, who claims to be the head of the quote-unquote Christian world, arrived in Abu Dhabi hand-in-hand in a symbol of interfaith brotherhood. Two religions that are diametrically opposed to each other But yet here they are coming as a united front. Pope Francis and the Grand Imam, they signed a historical document, the document on human fraternity for world peace and living together. And the text in the document actually states, it is a document that invites all persons who have faith in God and faith in human fraternity to unite and work together so that it may serve as a guide for future generations to advance a culture of mutual respect in the awareness of the great divine grace 
that makes all human beings brothers and sisters. So the meeting and the document were viewed by many as just two religious leaders uniting their followers in a call for peace. However, for those of you that understand Bible prophecy, it was so much more than that, right? And I want to talk about it on this edition of End of the Age because it's not, it's not went away. It's not disappearing off into the, the history bin. No, no. It is moving straight forward. And we'll talk about the Abrahamic family house in just a moment. But the goal of all of this isn't to bring religions to salvation. And we know that because the church is declaring that these people are already saved. For instance, the most recent Catholic catechism, it's issued 94, it states that Muslims are already saved. It says this, and I'm quoting, The church's relationship to the Muslims... The plan of salvation also includes those who acknowledge the Creator in the first place, amongst whom are the Muslims. These profess to hold the faith of Abraham, and together with us they adore the one merciful God, mankind's judge, on the last day. That's topic 3, section 841 in that catechism. But if you'll remember... Muslims deny Jesus was God or that He died on the cross. And, of course, that's the very essence of the Christian experience, right? The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The true objective of interfaith meetings and agreements like this, uh, which the document on human fraternity for world peace and living together, is tolerance. Tolerance of all religious faiths in the spirit of Vatican Council II. After Vatican Council II, the Catholic Church issued two documents that called for a new era of interfaith and ecumenical relations. And that call is very much alive today. In essence, the church no longer saw itself in opposition to other faiths. The goal was to seek a, a, a common ground between the Catholic Church and other Christian denominations as well as other religions. Now, you have to consider two statements that were in the document on human fraternity for world peace and living together. One, the pluralism and the diversity of religions are willed by God in His wisdom. Well, of course, we know that that's diametrically opposed to the Word of God. Because there's only one way to heaven, and I'll get to that in just a moment. But number two, that, and I'm quoting, Therefore, the fact that people are forced to adhere to a certain religion or culture must be rejected. Now, this all sounds nice, doesn't it? But remember what I said at the beginning of the program. Don't be deceived. There is an enormous problem with both of these statements. If you look at it from a theological perspective, 
The coexistence or tolerance of more than one religion or doctrine is diametrically opposed to the Bible. And I see as a minister working in a worldwide ministry that a lot of people nowadays are looking at the Bible and saying, well, I know it says that, but I don't really agree. It's not really tolerant of different things. And so I want to do this. So this is what I'm going to believe. Like that somehow changes the truth, but it doesn't. The Bible says, let God be true. Let every man be a liar. At the end of the day, folks, Almighty God wrote that book, and that's the book that's going to take us to heaven. Get seven deals of Christmas starting now. Do you remember that feeling you had as a kid during the holidays? You were so excited you couldn't sleep. What experience and gifts would you receive this year? The atmosphere at End Time is nearly the same. We're excited these seven deals are available through the end of 2021. Why are we so thrilled? Because we know these resources transform lives. And that's even more fun than Christmas, especially in these tough times. For the remainder of 2021, you can get deals like an End of the Age Plus subscription for $9.87 per month or just $99 per year, Jerusalem Prophecy College enrollment for $35 per course, or my personal favorite, our brand new package, Irvin's Last Words. This is a five DVD set that includes Irvin's last sermon, conference, TV show, and radio show valued at over $100, but we're going to give it to you free with a donation of any amount. Go to endtime.com slash Christmas to access these exclusive deals through the end of the year. You can also call 800-END-TIME. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and End of the Age Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the End Time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you and we love you. Think about the huge movements towards interfaithism today. Hundreds of different movements and different organizations that are geared towards moving people into one common belief system. And that's not, that is not willed by God that, that you go into a common belief system of tolerance that says, well, hey, there are hundreds of ways to make it to heaven. Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. The Bible tells us that. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's John 14, 6. Now, if I just had that one scripture right there, that disannuls all the interfaith movements on the planet. Of course, there are 
hundreds of scriptures in the Bible that would disannul that belief. But Paul taught that there is only one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. In you all. One faith. Ephesians 4, 5-6. Paul also told the church in Galatia, But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Galatians 1.8 So the apostles, Jesus, they all only taught one belief system. I mean, when Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, no man comes to the Father but by me, how could you misinterpret that? God only approves of one belief system, and that is recorded in the Bible. He, he never has, nor will he ever condone the tolerance of or the coexistence of more than one religion. So now you see a problem with the document on human fraternity, right? The pluralism of religions is willed by God. And as you can see, the meeting was not just about global peace among the religions. It was just what Pope Francis said that it was at a meeting held in the spirit of Vatican Council II. It was another step forward in the ongoing fulfillment of the prophesied end-time world religious system where all the religions of the world would be united in an effort to pledge allegiance to the world governing body. Remember, they're not bringing people together to save them. That's not what it's all about. The Abrahamic family house coming in 2022. Uh, According to the website, the Abrahamic family house consists of a mosque, a church, and a synagogue, and an educational center to be built by, on um, Sadiat Island, the, the cultural heart of, the, of Abu Dhabi in the United Arab Emirates. And the vision for the Abrahamic family house originated after the signing of the document on human fraternity by Pope Francis and the Grand Imam Al-Ta'ib. That was back in uh, February of 2019. So it's not getting swept into the dustbin of history. It's not dying. It's not going away. They're going to make sure they push these efforts towards interfaithism to gather the world's religions under one belief system. This is something you do not want to be caught up in in the end time. Now, it's currently under construction, the Abrahamic Family House, and... The, the project's anticipated completion date is in 22. This will be something for you to watch as it comes to pass. All the different um, religions that will gather there and the pomp and circumstance and everything going on. And would I ever go there if I had the chance? Yeah, I probably would. Would I commit to joining in the the um, celebrations of all the religions of the world and saying that they're all valid? Absolutely, I would not. I'd like to see it, but that's about it. Because I, as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, could not 
condone any belief system or say that it was valid that does not align with the Bible. And so this is going to be one of the several undertakings that the higher committee of human fraternity will advise upon. This is something that, again, there's going to be news sources and just people following this uh, because it's a huge interfaith movement. And you can look for more, and going, moving into uh, 2022, this is something that you can look for, more ecumenical and interfaith efforts that will occur in 2022 in the spirit of Vatican Council II. Pope Francis is a huge... Now, I understand I've heard reports that he may be sick and um, not doing very good, and you know I, I don't know that for sure. I Again, I've just read reports on that. But he is, very, he is a huge advocate of and lives his life by the belief system of Vatican II and that we were to um, unite the religions of the world and to dialogue with them. And I don't say there's anything wrong with dialoguing, with having a dialogue with other religions. There's nothing wrong with that. But if I have a chance, I'm going to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I would in no way, shape, or form say, oh, yeah, well, I mean, you believe in a thousand gods, but you'll somehow make it. I couldn't do that. Because the Bible says there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Deuteronomy 6.4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. There's only one God. So I could never condone a religion or say somebody's going to make it to heaven believing in more than one God. I couldn't do that. So don't be deceived by this Abrahamic family house. It's not a good thing. They're going to be basically saying, well, I mean, you know, we've got a synagogue, we've got a mosque, we've got a church here. Come one, come all. Worship, and let's just all tolerate each other. And everything's, let's just have peace on earth, goodwill toward men. I do want peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And, but I know that there are some things I cannot tolerate as a Christian. It's very important. I don't want to be deceived. Jesus warned us in Matthew 24, 4, at the Olivet Discourse. Jesus said, he answered and said unto his disciples, Take heed that no man deceives you. Many will come in my name and deceive many. Uh, John 14, 6, again, Jesus said unto him, and, and folks, let's just take this for what it is. There, you, don't have, there, you don't have to explain it away and say, well, he meant this. No, this is very easy to understand. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the only one way. I am the truth, the only truth. And, you know, that's a big thing today in the, the news and just, you know, people online and just all around the world. Well, I've got my truth. This is my truth. And you've got your truth, and this person over here has their truth, and whatever they believe, that's their truth. You can believe whatever you want to believe. But when it comes to staring Jesus Christ in the face someday and giving an account of your belief systems and the way you lived your life, and the Bible says we'll give an account for everything, everything, 
all of our actions and all of our works. You're going to stare Jesus in the face someday. And what are you going to say? When the Bible says, I'm the way, the truth, the life, but yet you said, well, I've got my own truth. So there's only one way. No man cometh unto the Father, but by Jesus Christ. In the end time, you must know and understand biblical truths. You say, well, there's, there's so many truths out there, Dave. How am I going to know what to believe? Well, that's a wonderful question because there's so many people pulling and tugging at your mind. The battle's right up here in your mind. It's very important. The Bible says in John, you, you say, well, I feel like I'm in a prison. Well, John 8, 32 says, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Once, I mean, what a, um, a, a freeing experience to know, I know the truth on earth on how to live my life and how to get to heaven. I know and I understand that truth. Some people are scared to death because they think, well, I'm, I'm living this life and I may get up to the pearly gates someday and old Peter's going to shut the door, shut him in my face and I won't make it in. That's a lie from the enemy. There is a way for you to live and a belief system that can help you get to heaven, period. And it is a very freeing, it, it will set you free in your mind. You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Those truths are found in the Word of God. People who do not know the truth, they're in bondage. I don't know the truth. I'm, I'm, I'm leaning on my own devices, my own mindset, my own thoughts, my own will. And this, it will impede your ability. You get put in a prison in your mind and it will impede your ability to fulfill God's purpose in your life and to be able to live this, this joyful Christian walk. And so the Bible says in John 5, 39, search the scriptures for in them you, you think you have eternal life. A lot of people think they have eternal life with all kinds of different things. But search the scriptures. In them you think you have eternal life, but these are they which testify of me. Again, that's John 5, 39. You've got to know. Have an understanding of the Bible. I know that we talk about scripture here all the time in the Bible and we're constantly quoting. That's because I want to teach the truth. The Bible is the only book. Now remember this because there are millions and millions of books. There are self-help books, philosophy books, old religious books. But the Bible is the only book. You know, the Bible is the best-selling book in the history of any book ever being created by millions and millions and millions of copies. The Bible. Because it's the only book that can reveal how many gods there are. One. that can share the story of that one God's redemptive plan for the human race. That can show you how to be saved. The words to eternal life are in that book. To teach you how to live as a Christian once you are saved. 
preparing you for eternity that can give you the knowledge and confidence to teach and then to lead others to Christ as well. That can, can tell you which church is true and which is false. There are thousands and thousands of churches right here in the United States. But I can tell you, having dealt with thousands of people over the years, that not every church on every corner is teaching the truth. Some of them have veered off the path. And wow, trying to get them back, that's a, that is a chore. So stick with, the, stick with the Bible. And then the Bible is the only book that can provide prophecies written thousands of years ago, which are coming to pass right now. So in the end time, a working knowledge of the Bible is of utmost importance. Well, why? You say, well, why? Well, it's biblical illiteracy that would allow someone to believe this false religions, this false prophet's deceptive messages and pledge allegiance to the Antichrist and his world-governing system. There's no way you could do that. Uh, these people that are putting chips in their hands, there's no way they would do that if they understood the prophecy of the Bible. That the Antichrist will cause you to put a mark in your right hand or in your forehead. I would never put a mark of identification on my person knowing and understanding the prophecies of the Bible. You know, a great way to increase your Bible knowledge very quickly is to enroll in our online Jerusalem Prophecy College. It is super easy. Uh, go to JerusalemProphecyCollege.com, register, and enroll in your first course. I think it's even, I think they're maybe running a sale on it before the end of the year even. But enroll in the Jerusalem Prophecy College today. You have to know and understand the Bible. It's of utmost importance. There's nothing more important than that. I mean, it's okay to, uh, to read the news. There's nothing wrong with that. It's okay to get a college education. It's okay to do a lot of things in life. Go fishing play football, whatever. But to go through the times just ahead of us without having a working knowledge of the Word of God, what a travesty that would be. Because we're all going to be held accountable someday for the works and the deeds that we've done throughout this life. And I want my works and deeds, to the best of my ability, to line up to the Word of God. And I want to have obeyed the gospel and the Lord's blood that he shed on Calvary to cover my life, to forgive my sins. I want to turn from my wicked ways and walk with the Lord all the days of my life. The Bible trains you. It shows you how to do that. It instructs you how to live so that one day when that trumpet sounds, your feet will leave the ground. Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, End-time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty? With the End Time Magazine subscription, you can gain a deeper understanding of current events and its prophesied repercussions. End Time Magazine's exclusive content and prophetic insight allows you to understand where we are in the end time. 
It will give you peace when horrific news and events happen. When you subscribe today to End Time Magazine for 12 months for just $19.99, you can have hope for the future because you will understand what the Bible says about the time we are living in. You'll get access to exclusive articles like the prophesied American-Israeli Alliance, End Time Do's and Don'ts, and Could School Choice Save America? Subscribe for you or a friend right now. Go to endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-END-TIME. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ Part 2. The late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. You know, everyone, I, I wanted to, I didn't want to leave you kind of with a cliffhanger here. I wanted to drill down into this subject a little bit deeper. Because when we talk about this Abrahamic family house that's being built over in Abu Dhabi, and yes, it is going to have a synagogue for the Jews, a mosque for the Arabs, and the, or the Muslims, and then a, um, a church for Christians. And they say that Hey, we all go back to our father Abraham one way or another. And so all of our religions are valid. Everything's fine. Let's just all get along. And that, the the Jews, Christians, and Muslims are over 50% of the world's population. You understand? So they hold the majority in this world religious system. And if you can gather those together, then you're a long way towards creating a world religious system, right? And then, of course, you have the Parliament of World's Religions and all these other different things. They're all on board with this interfaith movement. But I want to drill down a little farther into this and go into a little bit of a Bible study here with you because I want to make sure you understand that there is a clear path from Abraham to Jesus Christ to you and me. Okay? Because that path does not veer off to the right or to the left over the years. It goes straight from, again, Abraham to Jesus Christ to you and me 2,000 years later even. And because I want to make sure everybody under the sound of my voice understands the, the, um, the, the lineage of all this, the history, the background. And I'm going to go through it really quickly. But I want to make sure you understand because there's so many things that you'll hear this year about the, you're hearing about the Abraham Accords, the Arabs and the Jews. And you hear about the Abrahamic family house and Abraham, Abraham, Abraham. Well, I want to take you from Abraham to you and me. Okay? So, Genesis 15, 18. 
In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham and said, Hey, unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. Genesis 17, 15 through 22. God said to Abraham, As for, thy, as for Sarai, now this is before um, Sarah's name was changed to Sarah. God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, thy wife, you'll find in the Bible up to this point, her name was Sarai, S-A-R-A-I. As for Sarai, thy wife, Abraham, thou shalt not call her name any more Sarai but shall call her name Sarah. Verse 16, And I will bless her, and I will give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Well, of course, Abraham's like, Dad, I don't even believe that. Because the Bible says in verse 17, Abraham fell on his face and laughed. And he said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is... He's saying, I'm 100 years old. How's that possible? And Sarah, my wife, she's 90 years old. How is that even possible? He's laughing. He's saying, "Uh uh-uh. She's way past childbearing age. And in verse 18, Abraham said to God, Hey, what about Ishmael that I have with Hagar? Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God's negotiating with God here. Or Abraham's negotiating with God. And God said, I'm going to tell you one more time, Abraham. Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. Now, imagine the scenario today with the Jews and the Muslims. Because the Muslims are saying, well, hey, our father's Abraham too, so our religion's just as valid as your religion. Okay? It's, under, it's very important that you understand the difference in all of this. God told Abraham, your wife is indeed going to have a son, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. And here it is, and I will establish my covenant with Isaac for an everlasting covenant, and with his seed after him. As for Ishmael, yes, I have heard you, Abraham. Behold, I have blessed him, and I will make him fruitful. Now we're talking about the, the Arab populations today. And will multiply him exceedingly. I mean, look at all of the, the Arab nations that own all the oil. Saudi Arabia and different places. Think about that. God has truly blessed them, and they have multiplied exceedingly. He said, twelve princes shall he beget, and I will make him a great nation. But here's the key. But my covenant will I establish with Isaac and that lineage which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time next year. God asked Abraham, uh, Abraham asked God about, well, what about Ishmael? And the Lord said, I understand, I'm going to bless him, but it's not with him, Abraham. The covenant's with Isaac. And... The Bible says, and he left off talking with him, and God went up from Abraham. Now again, in 2022, they are going to be building up this Abraham, Abrahamic family house to the nth degree. Just wait. Because it was a result of, in 2019, the Pope's document 
that he signed with this Imam Al-Ta'ib, the document of human fraternity. And so, but that's not something you want to get caught up in. Uh, Would I go look at it? Yeah, I'd go look at it. But would I participate in any of its rituals and everything going on there? Absolutely not. I would go there, worship Jesus Christ. That's it. I would not sign anything that said, yes, I am tolerant of other religions and da-da-da. I wouldn't make a spectacle call myself. But I cannot condone the teaching that more than one religion can make it, folks. So this promise was fulfilled and God said it would, as, it, as God said it would to Abraham. Sarah did, in fact, become pregnant and the baby was born and they named him Isaac. Abraham and Sarah had no doubt Isaac was a special child. I mean, imagine, it was a miracle. She was over 90 years old. It was an incredible event, and God was working His plan in the earth. A time came when God needed to test Abraham. God was making Abraham the pivot of human history. Think about that. The first 11 chapters of the Bible cover 2,000 years of the human existence, history. And then God spends the next 12 chapters on one man, Abraham. So yes, pretty important guy in our history, right? He's the father of the Jewish people and the father of the church. God wanted to make sure Abraham would prove to be loyal and faithful no matter what. And back in Genesis 22, verses 1 and 2, it says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. He tested him. And he said unto him, Abraham, behold, here I am, Abraham said back. And God said, Take thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest. Now remember, this is the miracle child. But now God's saying, Hey, take him who you love and get thee into the land of Moriah and after him, offer him there for a burnt sac- uh, sacrifice upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. Of course, we know today that that's Mount Moriah where the Temple Mount is. Well, God testif- uh, tested Abraham's faith by asking him to sacrifice the joy of his life. I have a son. I, it would be, if God asked me to do that, I, you know, I don't think God's going to do that. But I mean, I can only imagine Abraham saying, wow, I, that's okay. You know, it was his long-awaited promise to prove what he loved most. Did he love God or did he love the promise more? And, you know, many people believe Abraham agonized over sacrificing his son But Scripture doesn't indicate that that to be true. The only commentary that we have concerning the event is where one of the writers said, hey, Abraham staggered not at the promises of God. So, God leads Abraham to Mount Moriah, to a specific mountain called, um, to a specific specific mountain, Mount Moriah, where the temple is today. And this place is important because a thousand years later, During the reign of David, that mountain is going to be where the first temple is going to be built. And then 1,000 years later, it will be where the second temple was built. Uh, Or where the temple mount was anyway. And it's still known today as the temple mount. So it was all part of God's plan. You can see all the way back in the beginning. But when Abraham, Isaac, and the servants arrived at the mountain, 
that God showed them, it was their destination, Abraham told his servants, hey, you guys stay here. The lad and I are going to Yonder Mountain to worship, and then we're going to return. You know, Abraham never, Abraham knew God never failed concerning his promises. God had told Abraham that his seed would be blessed through Isaac. Abraham believed God's promise would come to pass. So either God would stop the sacrifice of Isaac or raise Isaac from the dead, right? Because God never, God cannot break his promises and Abraham knew God would not break his covenant. He said, I've, I've heard your, I've, I've, I know, understand about Ishmael. Uh-uh. But this, my covenant is going to be through Isaac and through his lineage. So they arrive at the top of Mount Moriah. Abraham builds the altar knowing what's going on. Isaac doesn't know for sure. Isaac's sitting back going, now hold on a second. My dad is building an altar to sacrifice, but it's me and him. And he's looking around and thinking, "Uh, Dad, what's going on? But when it came time, Abraham built the altar and he bound Isaac. And then he places Isaac on the altar. Abraham then raised his knife over his promised son whom he loved and he was ready to sacrifice him for God. You know, sooner or later, God asks everyone who follows him for the thing they love the most. He wants to know if we love him more than we love anything in this world. Is there something you would not be willing to give up for your relationship with Jesus Christ? Well, in Genesis 12, 12 through 13, it records the account of this event. An angel spoke and said, Hey, Abraham, don't lay your hand on the lad. Don't do anything unto him, for I know that thou fearest God. And seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. And the Bible says, Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram was caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went over, took the ram, and offered him in the stead of Isaac. Now, this event really foreshadows the fact that you and I were destined to die, and yet God provided himself a sacrifice. God made himself a body and died in our place. And God wants to know if we love him more than anything else. And he wants us to know that he has provided for us a sacrifice. And so I'm bringing you from Abraham to where we are today in just this brief little Bible study because it's of utmost importance that we understand how our religious lineage goes back to Abraham even as Christians. And I want you to know the truth. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. End Time is a small nonprofit that runs a high-traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. 
We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon-coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. You know, in Genesis 22, 18, it says, And in they, and in thy seed, shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. This is very, very key. The key to God's blessing was in Abraham's obedience. We, you and I, 4,000 years later, we must obey God's voice as well. His, his word is His voice. His spirit is His voice. God wants to know from all of us if we will obey His voice. If it says something in the Word of God, that's what I'm doing. And that's why it's of utmost importance, everybody, that you get involved in good Bible studies. Again, the Jerusalem Prophets College, I know I keep pushing that, but that's the fastest way I know of, other than you coming here to end time and us just giving you a Bible study or you getting involved in a great Bible study in your church, but to know that you understand the prophecies and everything, a well-rounded view of everything and, and about some of these principles, the principle I'm fixing to talk to you about. It's of utmost importance to JerusalemProphecyCollege.com. Go check it out. I think you'll really enjoy it and it'll bring you up to speed very quickly. It's important to note what God said when he said, and in thy seed, Abraham, it, it's singular. In Galatians 3.16, the Apostle Paul made the point that the word seed was singular. Paul said, now to Abraham his and his seed were the promises made. And he saith not, and to seeds, plural, as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. So this promise to Abraham, when he was talking about the singular, the seed, was referring to Jesus Christ, the answer for humanity. When God told Abraham, in your seed, all the nations will be blessed. He was saying, in the Messiah, in Jesus Christ, will all the nations of the earth be blessed. That's why the entire Bible really centers around the act of Calvary. And everything in the Old Testament, it was leading us up to Calvary, all the old messianic prophecies bringing us to Jesus Christ when the Messiah would come. And then the act of Calvary prepares us for the second coming of Jesus Christ, which is just ahead of us now. The Bible says the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we that are alive and remain will be caught up to meet them in the air. So it's of utmost importance we understand Abraham's role. We understand the role of Jesus Christ. And then we understand our role today to obey the gospel that he purchased on Calvary. Because remember, Abraham obeyed. And because he obeyed, 
God blessed him and he was saved and he was a, a blessed individual and one of the pivotal men of all of history, really. And, but yet today, our, we must obey as well. And so in Matthew 1, 17, it, it, when it go, and I wanted to go through this, I don't know if I have time, but I mean, I want to go through it kind of slow because it talks about the generations, the genealogy from Abraham all the way to Jesus Christ. It says, um, Genesis, or I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. This, uh, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. In verse 2 it says, Abraham beget... Remember the story I told you about Abraham, Isaac. Well, Abraham beget Isaac. This is Genesis, or, uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 2. Abraham beget Isaac, and Isaac beget Jacob. Jacob beget Judas and his brethren. And I didn't want to go through all of them, so Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And then in verse 16... The Bible says, Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of, the, of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Verse 17, so all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, and from David unto the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations, and from the carrying away into Babylon unto Jesus Christ are 14 generations. Now, you can go read it for yourself, Genesis 1 or, man, let's keep saying that. Matthew 1, verses 1 through 17. However, I want you to notice that in all of those names, not one time do you see Muhammad mentioned there. It's only through Jesus that we're looking back. Jesus is our plan of salvation. That's who we're looking to. And... There's a concept in Scripture that I want you to understand. This is of utmost importance. When people say, oh, and there's, there's thousands of ways to get to heaven. Um, folks, there's not even two ways. There's one way. I want you to consider, some of you may have heard about this, some maybe not, the law of sin and death. Every single person under the sound of my voice is either presently under the law of sin and death, or you have been freed from the law of sin and death by being born again. The law of sin and death, it is a, it's a concept introduced to us early. Back in um, Genesis 2, verse 17. It says, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that you eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. So this is a law that still affects you and me today, which is called the law of sin and death. In the book of Ezekiel, chapter 18, verse 4, it says, Behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Very important. I'll read it one more time. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. It's the law of sin and death. Romans um, 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. 
But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the law of sin and death ruled from Adam to Jesus Christ. Romans 8.2 tells us, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. So, can we go to anyone else and be made free from the law of sin and death? No. The Bible says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. What did He do to make us free from the law of sin and death? Well, let me back up a little bit. For 4,000 years, mankind was locked into this law of sin and death. It reigned from Adam to Jesus Christ because all had sinned and everyone was under the power of the law of sin and death. When Jesus came, the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. So how do we get the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus in us so we can be liberated from this horrible state of affairs that the human race has been locked under for the past 6,000 years? Well, even though there is a way out, most people are still living under the law of sin and death. Very key, only through Jesus can we escape. And we will discover how we can take advantage of that majestic, marvelous, redemptive work of Jesus Christ so that we we can regain innocence and be happy to go to church. And that is to be born again. You know, have you ever asked someone to to come to church and they replied, well, no, I mean, if I come to church, the roof's going to fall in, right? Well, what they're really saying is that they are out there with Adam and Eve hiding among the trees and they and God aren't really getting along too good right now. They're feeling condemnation. I've done a lot of sinning and if I go to church, the roof's going to fall. Just like Adam and Eve. Instead, they were all going and walking in the cool of the garden with the Lord until they ate of the fruit. And then that night, the Lord came down, but they didn't show up. Right, they were hiding. If I go, you know, the the Lord told us the day we eat of that thing, we're going to die. They didn't want to go see him, right? They were guilty. They had condemnation. Well, that's why, you know, many people even dread to pray. I mean, I know what it's like to live a life where I dreaded to pray. And I know what it's like to look forward to praying. I've been on both ends of the spectrum. Adam and Eve knew both. They welcomed God until they fell under the law of sin and death, and then they hid when He came around, right? So it's very important that you and I understand how to come out of the law of sin and death. Jesus Christ came to die in our place. In the Old Testament, there were stopgap measures of salvation until Jesus Christ could come, a perfect lamb that had never sinned. There was the tabernacle plans, the temple plans, all the sacrifices, everything that was done in the Old Testament. The Bible says the law was a schoolmaster bringing us to Christ. Once Christ came, died on the cross was buried, rose again. 
He purchased a plan of salvation. He had never died. He, the, the law of um, sin and death did not pertain to him. But the princes of this world put him to death. The Bible says if the princes of this world would have realized who Jesus really was, they never would have crucified the Lord of glory. That's the biggest mistake they could have possibly made was killing Jesus. But when they killed him, it broke the law because he was not supposed to die, but he died because he had never sinned. He was not supposed to die, but he died. So in doing that, he broke the law of sin and death for individuals who would obey the gospel plan of salvation that he purchased on Calvary. How do you obey that? You be born again. Jesus told Nicodemus, except a man is born again, he can enter or see the kingdom of God. When a person is born again, they repent of their sins. And they're baptized. And the Bible says their sins are washed away. We're buried with him in baptism. And then they receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The born again plan of salvation. You're spiritually obeying 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4. Death, burial, and resurrection. You're born again individual. And God's blood that he shed on Calvary covers. He forgives you of your sins. All that's bought and paid for. He covers your life with his blood. And now when the Satan's the accuser of the brethren, he says, hey, Dave Robbins doesn't uh, deserve to go to heaven. The Lord looks at me and says, you know what? I don't see his past failures. All I see is my blood covering him. My perfect, spotless blood is covering Dave Robbins. And when the trumpet sounds in just the very near future, I'm going to be gathering him with me along with his father-in-law, Irvin Baxter, and millions of people that listen to them on the radio and television. And so that's why today, with all of this interfaith movement and all these other things going on, I wanted to share with you the truth. Be born again. Jesus told Nicodemus, except a man's born again, he can't enter or see the kingdom of God. Be born again. Let us here at End Time Ministries find you a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church that teaches the truth and can help you be born again today so that your feet can leave the ground as well. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463, or visit us online at endtime.com.